Hi, I'm a bowl of damn fine custard, Taylor. And I'm kicking ass for the Lord, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week, we're talking about Brain Dead, directed by Peter Jackson and starring Timothy Baum, Diana, and I'm going to pronounce this to the best of my abilities, Penyalver? I think it's Penyalver. Penyalver, okay. And Elizabeth Moody. And I think if you showed this movie to a Victorian child, it would kill them. (laughs) I 100% agree. This movie would absolutely kill a Victorian child. This movie is insane. Uh, So... This is my first time watching this movie, but Taylor, what is your history with this film? So the first time that I ever watched this movie, I like a clip of it came up in my YouTube recommendations and I had heard about it because it's, this is one of those movies that comes up a lot. If you know anything about Lord of the Rings, like um, anyone who's into Lord of the Rings is like, cause Peter Jackson directed Lord of the Rings. They're like, did you know, like <laughs> early on in his career before he did movies that were prestigious and you know big budget hollywood things he did these insane little horror splatter comedies and brain dead was always one of the ones that was very um notable in the conversation because it holds i think still currently holds the record for most blood used on a horror set so i watched it just kind of thinking like, oh, like, this will be kind of weird. And I was enamored by it. It was, <laughs> I was completely and utterly enamored by this movie. It sounds a lot like my experience watching uh, Dario Argento's Demons, which we will get to. That is going to be an episode, I swear to God. Yes, we're going to have to talk about Demons because Demons is about at this level of insanity. It really is. Although, honestly, I think this movie is way more insane than Demons just by... By dint of the fact that it just starts and does not fucking stop. This movie never loses momentum for a second. Yeah, that's absolutely true. This movie is, like, has, as they say, this movie is a wild ride from start to finish. Truly it is. Uh, This was my first time watching it, and I had heard a lot about it from you, because when you said that you wanted to do this, you you know, tell me a little bit, of, like a little tiny bit about it. I'm glad you didn't tell me too much because going into this movie blind was like such an experience. And I'm glad that I had that experience. You do kind of have to go into it not knowing a lot because this movie is very much just like throwing shit at you constantly. Yeah, all I knew about this movie going in was that it was a zombie movie, which doesn't typically tend to be my genre. I usually tend to stray more towards like, supernatural ghost sort of horror movies uh zombie movies actually are kind of low on my tier of sub horror subgenres for the most part uh i can't really say why and i've always i i I keep saying this about the two of us because i know zombies are like one of the few things that freak you out they yeah zombies scare me so bad (laughs) and they don't scare me at all so that's kind of why i was excited to talk about this movie because it's just such like a contrast of opinions as far as zombie movies go and this sort of genre yeah like i like night of the living dead i like um you know i like the romero zombie things like as like their own thing and of course my favorite horror movie and my favorite movie of all time is reanimator which we will get to in one day but i don't really consider reanimator to be a zombie movie even though there are reanimated dead people in it I, it's it's hard to explain. Um, it's because it's yeah, not really no. about like 
it's not really a plague type thing. It's not like a zombie apocalypse type situation. So I don't really consider it a zombie movie, but this is 100% a zombie movie. It is, you get bitten by a zombie, you have like a day and a half before you are like groaning and trying to rip people apart. <laughs> this is very classic zombies. Yes. I honest, I think I'd call Reanimator more of just like sci-fi horror. Whereas yeah, this I is, agree. like you said, capital Z zombie movie. Yeah, this is this is very like Night of the Living Dead zombies. You could tell Peter Jackson was very much inspired by Romero when oh, he made sure. this movie. For sure. Especially the end. Oh boy. Mm, definitely. The last 30 minutes of this movie are quite possibly the most insane thing I've ever seen put to film. And I know that's talking it up, but like, it's true. <laughs> The thing about the end, and of course we're jumping around as we always do, but we're not going to be kind of wary about spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie, definitely go watch it. It's very, very good. Um, It's disgusting. (laughs) It will gross you out so bad. If you like that kind of thing, if you like gore, if you like really cool, interesting, practical effects, definitely watch this this movie. This is your movie. For sure. This is a, this is an absolute showcase for practical effects. Oh my God, for sure. Like, I was, like, even as someone who, like, generally, as far as gore goes, I can usually take it or leave it, which is funny to say because I'm, like, such a big fan of the Saw franchise. But, like, as far as gore in most movies, like, Saw, it's different. Saw is just, like, a big soap opera that happens to have a lot of gore in it. Um, (laughs) But as far as, like, gore goes in most movies, I can usually just, like, take it or leave it. It's not usually my thing. Again, I tend to stray more towards like ghosts and supernatural things, and that doesn't really lend itself much to blood and guts. I totally forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> Practical effects. Practical and, effects. Yeah. Um... Sorry. Even as someone who is not a gore person, I was like continually impressed by both like the practical effects and like just the creativity of some of the things that go down. Um, as far as like kills go, like quote unquote kills, like it's killing is relative in this movie because they're all yeah because every everyone who dies um in the big party scene at the end is summarily reanimated and is then a zombie that has to be kind of defeated um so nobody's down for long in in the universe of brain dead yes um but the quote-unquote kills are all really really good um a couple that i wanted to point out as being like totally totally my favorites are the woman who gets punched through the back of the head um the fist comes out of her mouth (laughs) yes that's great um dude who gets his face skin ripped off Like, the zombies are, like, grabbing his hair, and his whole face comes off. (laughs) And he's a skull writhing around. It's great. Personal favorite of mine is the woman who gets, like, a light bulb. She, like, gets thrown onto a light bulb, which then punctures the back of her head. And she's just, like, standing there for the rest of the scene, because it's, like, a, a light attached to the wall. And for, like, the rest of the scene, or scenes that occur in this, like, kitchen that they're in, she's just, like, there on the back of the- on the wall, and her whole face is, like, lit up like a fucking jack-o'-lantern. It's insane. 
Yeah, just like writhing around, yeah. <laughs> being like lit up uh, from the inside of her head. Also, dude, who they're he's trying to get into the I think into the ce- the cellar or I don't know. The geography of this house is very confusing to me because it's like a very large kind of Victorian house, beautiful beautiful house. Uh, oh, I can see why cre- I can see why creepy uncle is kind of obsessed with getting it because it is a beautiful house. Oh, for sure, but. Dude is trying to get into a room through the window and a bunch of people grab him by the arms and try to get him inside. And um, his like legs, again, like yes. l- much like Skull Dude, his leg skin and muscles are get caught in the, the window frame or are being pulled from the other side by the zombies. And th- when they pull him through, his entire lower half is just bones. Yes. It's so great. What I love about the kills in this movie is that, like, they're completely, like, irrational, illogical. Like, this whole movie is very, like, kind of cartoon logic. And I think that really lends itself to a lot of creative and really fun kills. Yes. And the thing that I also love is, like, it's just not afraid to be fucking insane and cracked out and weird. Like, there is no... Less afraid to be absolutely bonkers off the wall insane like i feel like you can just tell that the people who made this movie like sat in a room and were like okay how can we kill people what are the coolest and most interesting ways that we can rip people apart and like fuck them up (laughs) and they all went into this movie what is the most insane thing we can put on this screen at any given time it's great it is a fantastic movie I and like you know this movie is very sort of notorious because of how gory it is and you know like we we we've spent however long talking about how really wonderful and great the kills are but I think it, it is important to note that this movie does have like a really interesting story and a really interesting take on the idea of zombies and what zombies are mm-hmm. um and I think that that's definitely exemplified through so basic plot um there is a, a guy in his late 20s named Lionel. He lives in New Zealand in this big old house with his mom, who is a very sort of overbearing kind of figure in his life. And um, he meets this girl named Paquita, who uh, works in a local store. Her family owns the store. And Paquita is told by her grandmother that she's going to have this wonderful romance. Her grandmother's like a tarot card. She's very sort of a mystical figure. I loved Paquita's grandmother. <laughs> she's great. Every time she was on screen, it was delightful. But she basically tells Paquita, like, you're going to meet this wonderful guy and like you're only going to have one romance in your life and you're going to meet your true love. And so she falls for she falls for Lionel and they their whole storyline is wonderful. And, you know, they're, they're trying to escape the sort of insanity that in, ensues over this movie but at the end of the day like this is very much just like a very it's a very sweet love story yeah I thought it was interesting that like amidst all this like chaos and blood and gore and insanity is like this really good emotional core like you don't see that in a lot I mean you see it you do see it in horror movies but it's just something you wouldn't expect from like this kind of movie that we've just you know like Taylor said we just spent like 10 minutes describing all the kills and ways people are ripped apart but like there is also this plot 
There is like a this this I think what sets this movie apart is that it has a genuine emotional core. Like you're not like you are partially watching it for all of the really cool effects and the wonderful kills, but you you also have an emotional investment in wanting to see these two make it out. Like you want them to be happy and you want them to go on to um escape all of this madness that's around them i think it's really great it really um keeps you kind of invested in the movie and it makes the ending really really interesting because um the the zombie sort of nonsense is kick-started by lionel's mother being bitten by a sumatran rat monkey <laughs> when she follows lionel and paquita this, the nastiest little creature you have ever seen in your life. It is the grossest looking thing ever. Just like the definition, you know, you know, creature spelled C-R-E-A-C-H-E-R. Definition of creature. like Literally, like, yeah, that thing is an absolute creature. Little, just like a little nightmare. The first time we see this fucking monkey at the zoo, it, like rips the arm off of a monkey in a neighboring enclosure and just starts gnawing on the arm. It's so gross. It's really nasty. But yeah, so Lionel's mother, like I said, is bitten by this nasty little beast and uh, <laughs> like stomps on its head <laughs> with oh her God. high heel. Yes. And it explodes into like green goop. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> just absolutely wrecks this thing as it deserves i i am not usually i'm not usually someone who is um supportive of cruelty to animals but in this case that fucking thing deserved it it's a little bastard little bastard um but as she has been bitten by this monkey she is sort of slowly turning into this zombie i think one of the most interesting things is the sort of transformation and how you see her kind of move in stages Mm-hmm. I have because it's not like she her. just wakes up the next day and is a zombie like you see like she at first is like i'm fu- she's talking she's lucid she's fine and then overnight you sort of she's writhing around in her bed <laughs> as lionel is having sex with paquita down the hall <laughs> um <laughs> that was do. a great kind of intercut um moment of um his mother kind of writhing in bed as Paquita and Lionel are having <laughs> they're just having sex um, and, as you do um, when your mother's turning into a zombie you know we've all been there yeah you gotta you got go to pound town with the cute girl who works <laughs> in the shop down the street you know um, while your mother's turning into a zombie yeah sorry what uh, you said you had a question what was your question yes I have a question about her final form at the end of the oh, movie oh yes oh <laughs> Her fucking hey, her final form. Hey, Taylor. Why'd they have to give the zombie an absolute dump truck ass? And the biggest rack you've ever seen. With and for huge what? nips. And for huge what? Huge nips. I actually and have an answer for, for this. Oh my god. This actually does... I think there. I think there is a reason why this is a thing. Please. Uh, I... Because I, I have this whole thing that I was writing about how Freudian this movie is. Oh yeah, I have a couple of those. how this movie is very much about um, a, a man trying really hard to to escape in a very Oedipal situation. He's um, 
sort of stuck in this combination husband and son kind of role with his mother. It's a and very I Norman think w- situation. Yes, definitely. Uh, even down to the house. Um, yep. It is very Norman Batesy, and I-, I think that was also very intentional. Oh yeah. But I think um, at the end, when because apparently, and one has to assume that this is what ha- is going to happen to all of the zombies eventually, is that it just happened to be only her because she was the first by a long time mm-hmm. to be to be bitten. Um, but I I would assume if this plague was able to continue unchecked, that all of the zombies would have eventually turned into these giant creep like huge fucking like godzilla sized creatures mm-hmm. um but th- i think the reason that she has these kinds of like you said like an absolute dump truck and these huge tits swinging around is because they're sort of these exaggerated feminine characteristics yeah and you know in in defeating this creature lionel has to um defeat this kind of archetypal overbearing mother with huge boobs uh listeners, <laughs> breastfeeding taylor's, taylor's making this sound very subtle but like the, no the it's way not lionel, the way lionel kills his mother at the end is that like she absorbs him into her stomach into you could say into her womb and he has into to, her like, yeah he has, <laughs> he has to, to like, burst out of the womb cut his way out of his mother's womb like it's not it's not subtle it's not no, subtle. it's it's super not subtle at all, but I think all of that kind of Oedipal stuff is why her boobs and her butt are huge. Because um, it's just kind of these exaggerated secondary sex characteristics. She, it's very much like monstrous womanhood, monst- yeah. like motherhood made into a, like a fearsome thing. Um, and that creature looked fucking great. Oh, it's it's insane. Like the things that they're able to do with practical effects in this movie, like we've said, is just phenomenal. And I, I, I think it's <laughs> I love that when um Paquita thinks that Lionel has been defeated when he is sucked into this sort of womb she just is you know she's hanging from the roof screen oh, by the way, all of this takes place on the roof of the house. Yes. They're on the fucking roof. She's like hanging from the roof and she's screaming, no, no. And then the fucking mother creature turns to her and just goes, slut. (laughs) Yes. It's really funny. (laughs) She just goes, she just screams, slut. (laughs) While we're talking about the ending of this movie, I have to say, as someone who has seen like a few movies with this sort of tone, I was expecting the ending of this to be, like, so much more mean-spirited than it was. Like, until, like, we faded to black, I fully expected, like, one of the zombies to, like, come back and kill them both or something like that. Or, like... Oh, yeah, definitely. Some kind of weird twist ending that would sort of undermine their triumph, I suppose. And it's like, nope. Nope. (laughs) They They just hug and kiss and they walk off hand in hand, covered in blood. It's really good. It's really good. It's really like, I don't know, like, okay, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent. Please do. I know this is sort of like not par for the course for horror fans in general, but I tend to find horror movies with like mean spirited endings to be deeply unsatisfactory. Like I remember watching um, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which 
does. Oh, I've spoilers. never actually seen that movie. Spoilers. It does, in fact, end with the girl being dragged to hell, despite seeming to have <laughs> overcome her, like, uh, what, you know, the curse that was on her. And I just, I, I just find those sort of endings deeply unsatisfactory, and I don't like them. I, I do love a horror movie with a happy ending. That's the thing. It's like, I feel as though, like, if you're going to give me a, like, a shitty, sad ending where, like, shit is fucked for everyone, including the protagonist, like, just do it. Don't right. give me a happy ending and then be like, ha ha ha, I drink your milk and pull the fucking rug out from under me. I hate that shit. Like, for instance, Reanimator, my f- my favorite movie of all time, it ends terribly for everyone and no one is happy at the ending of that movie but like that's just how it ends there is no like they did it actually they didn't do it like i hate that shit yeah to me it feels very cheap and very like it's like putting up a middle finger to the fucking audience and being like haha you wanted something happy not in this fucking movie you asshole like right exactly like why it just are you feels mean? like the- it feels like the director is, like, pointing and laughing at me. I'm like, why? Do you think you got one over on me because you wrote this stupid ending? Like, I don't like, know. Like, cool, I never... great. You tricked me into thinking something nice was about to happen, and then it didn't. Like, awesome. Good for you. Thanks. <laughs> the other the other movie I can think of that does this, and, like, this is a movie we're never going to review because I never want to watch this fucking movie ever again. But The Woman in Black 2 does that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Which... of Troll 2. Okay, Troll 2, though. Troll 2 is, like, Troll 2. You know the ending of Troll 2 when they get back to the house and they're like, we did it! And then suddenly there's just goblins in their house and they all die? For no reason. And for what? I hate it! It's terrible! Like, just give me a a sad ending. Like, just give it to me. Like, I I don't need you to fake me out. And I completely agree with you about Braindead where, like... They defeat this fucking mother creature and then they they like zipline down on like a telephone wire and then the police, like the fire department roll up and you're like, okay, and now a zombie is going to pop out and kill them. And nope. it never happens. Nope. Again, like I said, they kiss and they walk off hand in hand covered in blood. Romance goals, to be quite honest. They were so stinking cute. Like, we we were talking um, a couple of days ago about how, like, honestly, like, the scene of them at the zoo, before the mother shows up and everything starts going wrong, the stuff with them just, like, walking around the zoo and holding hands and talking to each other and giggling and having a good, nice, just, like, a nice time. I was like, I just... I could watch a whole movie of this. They're just so darn cute. And the two leads have such good chemistry together. Like, they they seem like an actual couple that likes each other. And it's just, their whole relationship is very sweet. I like them a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're really charming. And I think that's very much in service to the movie. Because I, I like that, like, and I've, I think I've kind of touched on this before. But I like, I think, I feel like their presence here is very grounding in a world that is otherwise just, like, total chaos. Yeah, and I think the other performances... And, like, I've heard some people say that um, Timothy Balm's performance is kind of off-putting, and I think at first it definitely is. Like, he's Mm -hmm. kind of doing crazy eyes a little bit. Yeah. But, like, I feel like 
once you kind of get used to the way that he acts, like, he's not a creepy character. He's oh, just, like, yeah, a no. nice guy. He just acts kind of weird. And that's just kind of the way he is. And you get you get used to it after a while, or at least I did. Yeah, you get used to it. Or And also, you gotta have to kind of realize this is a character that's been, like, very sheltered for his whole life by his mother. So I think that sort of just adds to him as a character and his sort of awkwardness I don't know. I didn't find him. Yeah, he's not at very all. good at talking really to people. And like neither am I, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing that I also thought uh with regard to this movie being far more wholesome than uh it might have appeared to be at first glance was that um when you see at the beginning that um Paquita's grandmother has like sort of foretold her romance with Lionel. Like, I don't know about you, but my first thought when I saw this, and then, so her grandmother basically says, like, there's this symbol that's going to show up, and that's how you know that you've met this guy that you're destined to be with. And then some, Lionel knocks some shit over in the store, and some of it forms that, like, star and moon symbol. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, oh shit, this is the guy. Now I need to, like, ask him out, even though I was going to go out with this other guy. And for some reason... Because I guess because I'm used to these movies being kind of cynical about this kind of stuff, my brain was kind of like, the whole thing is going to be that their romance was built on nothing. Oh, huh. I didn't actually. And get that I, I thought that there, but... but like may maybe it didn't really have anything to do with this, like anything that was in the movie, so much as it had to do with like expectations based on other movies. Yeah, in fairness, I think the reason I didn't get that sense is because I think you and our mutual uh, mutual friend of the pod, L, had contacted me to be like, hey, there's some wholesome, if I may use a, a slang term that is quite quite common on my Twitter account, some wholesome hits in this movie. There's some wholesome straight people in this movie, yeah. And I was like, god damn it. <laughs> And the, the first time that I watched it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fucking, like, our really, like, I, I jumped into this relationship because my grandmother told me that there was a mystical romance. But in real life, you know, true love isn't like that. Like, I don't know. I thought that there was going to be something like that. And it wasn't. Like, no, grandma was just, just right. Grandma was right. <laughs> you know, I saw that fucking symbol and we were destined to be together forever. And you know what? If we have to defeat a giant mother that looks like your like your mom as a giant beast with swinging tits to be together, yeah, that's what we have to do. That's the kind of romance that I'm looking for in my life. Like I said, couple goals. If I don't have to take down your mother as a giant zombie, like, I don't want to be with you. Sorry. <laughs> giant zombie with a dump truck ass. With a dump truck ass and big swangin' tits. Like, those <laughs> things were fucking swangin'. Yeah, I, like, I know we're lingering on this. I can't emphasize enough. Yeah, audience, I cannot emphasize enough how exaggerated and huge these boobs and this butt are. Like, this thing is, like, about 60% boobs and butt. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is very scary. But also, the first time it shows up, you are very much like, why does it have such a rack on this thing? <laughs> And then it shows from behind, it's like, oh god, it has a dump truck ass, too. <laughs> hey, Taylor. Yeah? Let's let's talk about the dinner scene. Or not the dinner oh. scene. Oh! Oh boy, let's talk about the dinner scene. So this is kind of before everything goes fully to hell. 
Um, there is this scene in which mm-hmm. Mother is in the process of becoming a zombie. Zombies like I said, the thing well. goes in stages. Um, she is not fully there yet, but she is. She is getting. She's getting there. She's well on her way. Yeah, and so she's still kind of lucid, but not really. And um, she's. Par- <laughs> I love when she's at the mirror and she shouts. Uh, she, you know, because she's sort of. Her voice is slowly getting more and more kind of slurred as she sort of descends into <laughs> into zombiedom. And so this couple shows up who they were supposed to have lunch with. Uh, because of the Wellington, I, I forget what the full acronym stands for, but when she's at the mirror trying to get herself ready, she goes, it's the WLWL. <laughs> <laughs> and the yes. first time I heard it, I was like, WLW? Lesbians? Bisexual I was like, women loving women? But um, so they go, they have a meal, and... um. You know, mother grabs the meat off of this other woman's plate and is shoving it in her mouth. And um, you're like, that's kind of gross. And then uh, Lionel brings out the custard. Damn fine bowl of custard. A damn fine bowl of custard. And one of the sort of pus filled boils on the mother's face explodes into the man sitting across from her's bowl of custard and uh he's he's eaten with his eyes closed so uh he doesn't he notice a, he takes a big old bite of that pus custard and he fucking like like the smacking noises as he's eating it and he just damn fine bowl of custard and then and then of course her ear falls off into her own bowl of custard and uh she's completely whacked out at this point so she just eats it. <laughs> she eats her own fucking ear. She willgrams it up, baby. Yes, she does. My words exactly. <laughs> yeah, you you texted me and you were like, "Oh, she's willgramming it." And I was like, "Yeah, she is." So, to me this scene is the worst scene in the movie. Worst in a like grossest, not as in technically bad like mm-hmm. it is very well made <laughs> it does what it wants to do oh it, sure it does. succeeds granted i think i think i was expecting something like completely different like from what you had told me you just told me that there was a gross dinner scene yeah so i was actually expecting like okay i don't know why this came to mind immediately but my first thought was that scene from indiana jones and the temple of doom where they're like eating all like the gro- like the snakes and monkey brains and shit oh okay something on like that level of gross out that's the thing i think the reason that this scene grosses me out more than the other stuff in this movie is because it's a little subtler Mm -hmm. it's it's about as it's about as subtle of a scare as this movie gets Mm -hmm. it's just gross in but it's a sort of a quiet scene. It, it's not loud and bombastic and insane like the rest of this movie is. It's it's gross and it's not loud about it. And I think that's why it it makes my skin crawl more than uh, the lawnmower scene at the end. Oh, the lawnmower scene is just fucking insane. Where a, a a crowd of zombies are mowed down by a fucking lawnmower. It's great. Yeah, I think in terms of the dinner scene, I was just expecting something different because of what you had told me about it. So I was kind of left, I feel bad, but I was kind of left with the like, oh, that was it? 
sort of thing. But I feel like if I were to rewatch this movie, and I'm sure I will because it's pretty great, <laughs> um, it'll probably be more effective then. <laughs> the thing about this movie, too, that cracks me up is like, okay, so Elizabeth Moody, who plays Lionel's mother, is, um, I, I don't know anything about this actress, but her demeanor gives me the feeling that she is like a, like a capital S serious actress. Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> and so like her, and again, I don't know anything about her, so maybe she just does weird shit all the time. But for me, her entire performance felt very funny to me because of how seriously she seemed to be taking this role. Yeah, for sure. And after a certain point, after a certain point, it is not her anymore. Right, yeah. Um, the physical zombie actor sort of takes over. Yeah, and once she goes kind of full zombie, it's not her anymore. But all of the stuff when she's kind of slowly becoming a zombie is very well acted. It's yeah, good. it's really good. God, she really that's... gets into this idea of this like slow degeneration um, and that's another thing about zombies that freaks me out is the like slow wearing away of your personhood until you are just a thing that exists to cause violence and to eat. Um, and I think that that sort of is on full display in this movie because, I mean, she's a shitty mom before she becomes a zombie. And as we later find out, she murdered her husband and his mistress. <laughs> yeah. Um... But she is still, like, a lady. Like, she's, like, a person. Yeah. Uh, and when she becomes a zombie, she's just, like, there is nothing going on behind the eyes. Like, there is none of her left in there. Yeah, I think that's very much spurred on by the fact that Lionel still treats the zombies like people to an extent. At least at first, when he's, like, trying to just keep everything under control. He very much still treats them like people and takes care of them and Yeah, he like feeds them and he's trying to get them to like behave and he like he chastises them when um they're like doing, you know, weird shit. <laughs> Slowly Lionel's collection of zombies kind of grows as this plague is kind of spread through the town, including one member of the little zombie group is a local priest named Father Magruder. Who has the best line in the movie. Oh, so good. So good. That whole scene is so much. And it's wonderful. Yeah, the scene in the, the, scene in the graveyard where Father Magruder shows up and just decides to just kick zombie butt for no reason kick is great. The Lord. Thank you. And he, yes, he shouts, I kick ass for the Lord, which is such a good line. Immediately followed by like, this calls for divine intervention. Like, yeah, it's oh, it really is like a so it really is like a one-two punch of really good lines because first he says I kick ass for the Lord, and then he says this calls for divine intervention. I hope Peter Jackson was proud of himself for those lines because it just chef's kiss. Yeah, it's really really good. Um, and when Father Magruder becomes a zombie. Uh, because he he does kick ass for the Lord, but he is also a, um, a, a mortal man fighting against zombies. And, uh, he does you know. get bitten. By the way, I, I don't think we've emphasized enough. He does do kung fu. Yeah, no, he does kung fu. For no reason. Like, like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't just beat these people, these zombies up. He does do kung fu. Also, would like to even more emphasize, this is not explained. Nope. <laughs> it's 
never explained. It's never touched upon again that he just does kung fu. He is the priest that presides over um, Lionel's mother's funeral. So he is there. Like, he is there in earlier scenes, but he's just like a priest. He's just like a guy. He's just like a stock priest character. Yeah, we, we get no indication until the fight in the graveyard that he is also, like, a kung fu priest who kicks ass for the lord. It's really good. Just comes out of fucking nowhere. But then after he becomes a zombie, uh, he fucks. Uh, he fuck. And it's disgusting. He does fuck him and, uh, the The nurse. Yeah, uh, him and the, yeah, the, the, the nurse. Um... <laughs> it's so funny they're like sitting at the dinner table and he starts like feeling up her leg and the first time I watched this movie I was like oh that's weird they're horny that's funny that's kind of funny and then it just doesn't stop <laughs> yeah no it doesn't stop and it, it reaches quite a conclusion in the birth of a fucking zombie baby don't yeah, know they how have that a works. zombie fucking baby and it's it's name is Selwyn don't know how that works but I don't it does. I don't want to know how that works I have no interest in knowing how that works. And then Lionel tries to take the zombie baby to the park. Why did he do that? Like, I don't what know. did he well, expect to happen? The 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 out of universe reason why he did that is because they finished the movie ahead of schedule and um they had a day left and some extra money and so Peter Jackson was like, "Fuck it, <laughs> let's go." <laughs> Let's let's go into the park of the town that we're filming at and fucking just shoot a, a funny scene with the zombie baby. Why not? We've got some extra money and another day to film. Um, Makes so much that's sense. That's the out-of-universe reason why he does that. The in-universe reason is is a mystery. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason. There's no in-universe reason why Lionel would do this, but like, I'm so glad this scene exists anyway, because it's very funny. He is like... Because the, the baby is still, like, a nasty little zombie baby, so yeah, Lionel ends up putting it in a bag and, like, beating it against, like, the play sets and the fucking swings and shit and, like, banging it on the ground and just generally, like, fucking going hog wild on this little nasty baby. And these two women in the park are just staring at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why did you put your baby in a bag and beat it up? <laughs> And he just looks at them like, he's hyperactive. It's <laughs> such a good line. It's so funny. Um, Actually, also, fun fact uh, about that scene, too, is that... The, so, when Lionel takes the baby to the park, he at first tries to imitate a, a mother and her baby that he sees sitting near him. Um, So, you know, the mother gives the baby a toy, so then he tries to give the, his baby a toy, and it fucking, like, <laughs> starts snarling and ripping it up. Right. It's like a it's it is a funny little moment, but that woman is actually uh Fran Walsh who is Peter Jackson's writing partner and his wife and they have been married since before this movie and as far as I know they are still married. Good for them. And she has worked with him on pretty much everything he's done since his first movie. I think they met on the set of his first movie. Oh, that's And uh yeah, they are partners in life and also in making movies. And I think that that's really wonderful. That is really wonderful. I really like when famous people are married for a long time because marriages in Hollywood tend not to last very long. Yeah. So it's it's always nice to read about a, a, a Hollywood... Well, I guess they're, you know, they're not from 
Holly, they're from New Zealand, but like a, a couple in this sort of in a couple in the industry who has been together for years and years and years and it's it's just, it's just nice to know that those kinds of things can still happen in the often kind of chaotic and crazy world of making movies. It is nice. So I think that that's really funny. While we're talking about Peter Jackson's other projects, I was, you know, it's hard not to watch this movie and think, oh God, this is the guy who did Lord of the Rings. But I think in the practical effects for this movie, you can kind of see the seeds of Lord of the Rings because I know a lot of Lord of the Rings was practical when it didn't have to be, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings movies are, like, notoriously detailed and notoriously such a passion project for, like, everyone who worked on it. And I don't know, it was cool to see sort of the seeds of, like, Peter Jackson's history of working with practical effects in this movie. Yeah, I think you can definitely also see his love of, I mean, what the, the most obvious comparison to make is his love of um, King Kong is very evident in this movie, especially oh, in yeah. the, the opening scenes, because the nasty little rat monkey uh, is from Skull Island, which is where King Kong is from. Yep. And um I put that in my notes. I was like, "Oh, King Kong?" Yeah, and actually in the King Kong remake that Peter Jackson did in I think 2003 or 2004, Somewhere I know that there that. is a box when they're taking Kong to America that there is a box that says uh Rat Monkey Sumatra Beware the Bite or something like that. Like Oh my god, that's so cool. So I never Peter Jackson that. still tied even when he finally got to remake King Kong he tied that back into this fucking movie. Um, but another thing about King Kong, I would be remiss if we did not bring this up. Um, on Skull Island, there are some natives, and the way they are depicted is um not good. Bad. Not good. I I think one of my first notes in this movie was just how much racism can we fit into one movie opening? <laughs> Yeah, and only- it, it, it just it just sucks because this movie is so great. Yeah. Um, and, like, the thing is that, like, I get what Peter Jackson was trying to do. He was trying to do the natives from King Kong. Uh, but the problem is King Kong was made in the 1930s. And um, if you just do what they did with their native characters, uh, it's going to be real racist and uh he did you know he he did the same shit in his king kong remake the natives in that movie are basically like orokai like they're fucking orcs like they're not people it's gross and weird and bad um but he does it here too and i i would feel irresponsible if i didn't mention that that was like really shitty and does kind of take away from my enjoyment of this movie a little bit yeah no i agree like full stop i was watching the opening of this movie i was like oh Oh. And it's just such a shame because the rest of this movie is so good and then that o- and the the opening is so good and the gore in the opening is great when they're cutting off that guy's limbs it's awesome it's fun uh but it's but, just like ugh. Peter Peter did you have to did Peter you really did you need to do to? this Did you really have to Peter And like not only that but also like in that opening uh there's a a, a black character who isn't one of the natives uh, who also is portrayed as, like, cowardly to a comical degree. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, Peter, did you have to, though? Did you really and have like, to? The other thing that's weird is that, like, Paquita is, I think, supposed to be Spanish, or I don't know if she's from South America or if she's 
you're whatever. She's she's Latina. Yeah. And um her and her family are really nice and cute and I really enjoy Paquita's portrayal and it, it it's sh- it's shitty that like <laughs> the all that racism in the opening had to happen it's and also <laughs> yeah like i think paquita is really wonderful and her portrayal is really great and she's not it's not like a weird fetishy portrayal of a of a a, a latina love interest because those you know la- la- latina characters in movies can sometimes be sort of boxed into this stereotype of being sex objects and Paquita's really not that at all she's just like a nice girl yeah no for sure yeah it's it's not hey Peter if you could do it with Paquita why not like do that with the rest of your characters of color Diana Penalver is also her perf- she's just adorable her performance is great and she's um, so charming she is she's wonderful and I I love this scene where she um she has you know had that little like sees the symbol near Lionel and she's like oh my god he's the one so now she's like now well now I have to go on a date with this guy because he's clearly my one true love so she goes to deliver the groceries to his house and he says um I think he says to her like doesn't your brother usually do the deliveries and she goes not today (laughs) so cute she's adorable they're adorable they're really yeah (laughs) See, now we're just talking about how cute they are again. Again. Can we talk a little bit about uh, Nasty Uncle Len? Fuck that guy. He Fuck is so... Guy. He is so gross. Okay. I'm not familiar with that actor, but I feel like he's like what James Corden wants to be. Oh, definitely. He He's like a fun... I mean, he's like a fun character actor who has like... But he, he just, the minute he shows up in his plaid ass suit, he's you're like, oh, this character is bad news. He's just the worst. But he's like one of those characters that it's just so fun to hate. Yeah, he's such a deliberate, like, hate sink type of character where, like, everything he does is awful. Like, he is gross to Paquita. He is, like, in a bully to Lionel and... He and he's a complete coward when the zombies kind of descend upon this party that he decides to have. Right, and um, all he wants is like you know the house and the money, so he can just throw his wild parties every fucking night. He's so awful. <laughs> he's so gross. Um, oh, but I I also think um, I thought it was so funny the scene where the zombies that Lionel has trapped in the basement are like, you know, doing the zombie thing where they're like groaning and, oh no, it's the ones who are having sex in the kitchen, right? Yes, yes. Because, yes, because they're like moaning and having sex and fucking nasty uncle is like, you found your dad's old stag movies, huh? (laughs) Uh, and then what did he he say to be like is that the one with the donkey it's like ah oh yeah he said yeah he's like is that the one with the donkey and the chambermaid and Lionel's like yeah sure whatever just leave (laughs) it's so funny oh it's very good he like that actor is just very good at being gross and also there's like the standard gag where it's like haha he's wearing a toupee and it's like but it's funny it's good again he's just a really fun character to just fucking hate He's just good at being like a just like a vile person. A lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch him be gross. 
so many fun performances in this movie, honestly. I think definitely also, like, we talked a little bit earlier about Timothy Balm kind of having the crazy eyes, but he, his performance is really great, too. Like, <laughs> you can kind of see definitely, like, the struggle that he's going through where he, like, wants so bad for things to be normal and he refuses to just kill these fucking zombies until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he spends this whole movie just, like, so stressed out. <laughs> Especially his mother. He does not want to kill his mother. Even the, And, like, uh, Paquita literally says to him, like, Lionel, that's not your mom anymore. And he's like, I know, but I can't kill her. Yeah. I just, like, everything about this movie is so, so good. And it's delightful. I cannot over, I cannot overemphasize how fucking insane the ending of this movie is. It defies description. Like, I can't even put into words how fucking bonkers yonkers off the wall this, like, the last half hour of this movie is. Oh, we didn't even mention the baby in the, uh, in the blender. I mean, it's self-explanatory. Yeah, that's true. Baby in the fucking blender. The the zombie baby, mind. Not a a baby baby, the zombie baby gremlin thing. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah, so it's fine. I, I... I also think it's really funny that, like, at first Paquita had some, like, hesitation about right, putting and then the blender on, and then it spits up all this nasty green stuff on her face, and she's like, you know what? No, you're Fuck fucking it. getting the blender. <laughs> she, I think, is very interesting in how proactive she is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially because, I mean, like, the ending ultimately is about Lionel having to save her, but... I mean, during the whole, like, zombies descending on the house thing, like, she is, like, very proactive and, like, getting people into, like, oh, what's that one lady in the black and white dress? Oh, I forgot her name. Rita? Rita. I almost said Ruth, but it is Rita. Yeah, it's it's Rita. Um... Who I guess is Paquita's friend? I don't know. Again, it's not- it's unestablished and it's not really important. Mm -hmm. But, um, Paquita and Rita (laughs) end up, um, basically like hiding out in the kitchen and i just i think it's really fun how like sweet paquita is i keep using the word sweet to describe her and to describe lionel but it's true they're both very sweet um uh just like how like caring she is towards her and being like it's okay like we're gonna get out like just like like follow what i do and like we can do it we can get out of here and it's just it's very nice she's very uh proactive and Mm -hmm. she's doing her best (laughs) even after rita gets bitten too yeah, even yeah, true. Even after Rita gets bitten, she's trying really hard to like figure the situation out and fix mm. things. I also um think that the the whole I mean, the entire ending is insane, but it's very much like there is a method to the insanity. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you can tell that this wasn't just like throw I mean, it was partially sort of a like throw shit at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing, but it was also like I don't know. It, it, like there yeah, like like you could tell there was thought behind it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It is it it is uh, organized chaos, as it were, which all it all culminates in the lawnmower scene, which oh, which is delightful. Just such a delight, such a delight. By the way, did we mention this movie takes place in the fifties? Yes, it does. It very much does. Because it does for no reason. Um, Taylor, there was a reason, and it's to put Paquita in all those cute dresses. Thank you. That's true. Her outfits are adorable. Especially that, I mean, before it gets all nasty and bloody at the end, but her little yellow dress with the big collar. I love that outfit. My personal favorite was the little red one that she wore to the zoo. I thought that was 
Yep. Chef's kiss. We're a Paquita Stan podcast. Yes, this is this is a Paquita Stan podcast, and my OTP is Paquita and Lionel, and that will never change. They are they are not only valid but wonderful heterosexuals. It's true, and you should say it. So one part of watching movies that I find to be incredibly important, and I don't know about you, Jemmy, but to me this is an essential part of the movie watching experience, is to go onto Letterboxd after I finish the movie and see what the, see what the people are saying. Oh, I agree. Definitely essential part of the v- movie viewing experience is to go look at all this fucking memes that people are putting on letterboxd so with that in mind uh i'm introducing a new segment this week uh i don't have a name for it yet i'll come up with one one day but uh i just i just want to read some really funny letterboxd reviews that i saw and that i thought were that 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 deserve to be immortalized in podcast form um this is very much a, I, I do owe a debt of gratitude to the second opinion segment from uh, How Did This Get Made? But this isn't really so much second opinions because second opinions is very much like, we watched a bad movie and now we're going to go on and look at the five star reviews. This is just like people on Letterboxd making jokes uh, that I think are funny. Lee Shroick says, party's never over, still kicks ass for the Lord, five stars. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dion says, tag yourself. I'm the partially decapitated head that gets kicked around, then blended. Is very much the thing that happens. <laughs> yeah, the baby gets in the blender, and then the, the severed head gets in the blender. A lot of use out of that blender. Yeah, that, that, that blender is very much put to good use. Amaya says, this movie was so great, but for some reason we watched like eight episodes of Phineas and Ferb right after finishing it. So now the two are forever linked in my mind. Five stars. <laughs> That's absolutely so true, though. Like things that um you watch after watching a really weird movie, like those two things, like they just become together in my mind. I mean, the gallows and Phantom Manor. That, you know, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it. <clears throat> Just let me say it. Let me put my shame out over the fucking airwaves. <laughs> Tino says, watched Academy Screener. Four and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> Shane says, three Hobbit movies, but only one brain dead? Peter Jackson, why? And I would have say to that. agree with you, Shane. Say that. Say that, Shane. The first time that I, I I like logged one of the hob the, one of the Hobbit movies on Letterboxd and I was like this is fucking awful and my my friend Dan uh, that I used to work with commented on it and said you either die after making Brain Dead or you live long enough to make the Hobbit trilogy <laughs> truly oh, that God, should be the tagline for this movie God I've only seen one of the <laughs> Hobbit movies and it's like the middle one and I only saw it because like. My cousin was visiting in town and like genuinely the only movie that like was in theaters at that time that any of us like had any even the barest interest in was The Hobbit and it was it was just not a it was not a good experience. Oh my yeah. god. It's like 3 hours long of like basically fucking nothing. It's 3 3 hour long movies. The Hobbit movies are insane. The Culture Shocker says, David Cronenberg, eat your heart out. Five stars. <laughs> That's funny. I was actually one, like, I put this close to Videodrome on my, like, top, 
my like list of first watches in um 2021 that I have on Letterboxd that's like ranked in this this and like Videodrome I think are like right next to each other on the list. I I fully believe that. Colin says, I found out my grandmother died while watching this movie during the <laughs> oh, lawnmower no. scene. Say la vie, four stars. <laughs> no. I wonder if Colin took a star off because the experience of finding out that <laughs> and I'm sorry about your grandmother, Colin. Our sympathies, Colin. But you know what? If if you had to find out that your grandmother died, you might as well do it during a really great horror movie. Truly. I can't even imagine having to find out a horrible thing happened while watching a movie like this. Jesus Christ. I found out Robin Williams died while watching The Room. Oh my god. I found out that my great aunt Joan died when I was watching uh, an episode, like a, like a Barney sing-along. Oh um, and y- you you would think like, oh, like, like you were a kid. I was 13. <laughs> I was just watching it because I felt like it. Love that for you. I mean, I don't love it that your aunt died, but or your great aunt. But <laughs> yeah, my 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 great aunt. <laughs> I don't love that for you, but yeah, and 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 of course, it's just one of those things where it's like now, like I just remember, <laughs> I just have such like a vivid memory of like finding this old Barney VHS tape and being like. I should I should watch this for old time's sake. I'm 13. I'm in eighth grade. I think I'm gonna watch some Barney. And my fucking parents coming down the stairs into my basement and being like, Taylor, we have something to tell you. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I guess the universal experience of finding out tragedies occurred whilst watching random ass movies. Our final letterboxed review is from someone named James who sa- who calls it adrenaline fueled splatter poetry. Five stars. Hell yeah, James. You and you know what, up. James? James, I would have to fucking agree with you. 100%. So what about your star rating? What would you give Brain Dead? All right. Out of five I, stars. I'm, I'm going to do this honestly. I would give it three and a half just because this isn't generally my genre of film that I enjoy. However, because I enjoyed it as much as I did, I think that brings it up to an even four. Yeah, I would say I would say also four stars. You know, <clears throat> it has some iffy stuff in it. Like obviously, we talked about the opening and like the weird race stuff. Uh, kind of j- makes it 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 detracts from the movie a little bit. But you know what? Solid four star movie. Really good. Worth your time. Check it out if it's your if uh, gore and zombies are your thing. Brain dead. Can't recommend it enough. And you know, even if zombies are not your thing, coming from someone for whom zombies are not generally my thing, if you're interested, if if you've heard us talk about it for this long and you're like, hmm, watch it. I mean, it's like a little bit over a tight 90, so it's not even like it's that much of a a, a watch. No, it's not even that long. I think it's, yeah, it's like an hour and 40 minutes. Well. Thank you so time. much for listening to The Final Girl Files. Yes. Next time is a big one. Yeah, it is. We've spent this whole episode talking about wholesome heterosexuals. Anyone who knows me at this point knows exactly what our next our movie is next week. Next week, or next next episode, I should say. Next episode. Yeah, not not next week. This is a bi this is a bi-weekly podcast. Next episode, we are covering 2013's The Conjuring. The first one. Saving the second one for later.
<laughs> Even though the second one is the better one, we will go into this during the podcast. It's fine. The first one is a seminal classic. Yes. And God, if you thought the hats were wholesome in this one, you ain't seen nothing Boy, yet. Boy, do we have a movie for you. Boy, do we have a film. So that'll be our next episode on The Conjuring to continue our little theme of hopping back and forth between sort of slightly older su- older stuff and newer things. Mm-hmm. Having me and me and Jemmy trade off on who chooses the the movie for the week. This is this is this is a Jemmy choice if there was ever a Jemmy choice. I will say we didn't originally plan to do The Conjuring next. We had another movie in mind, but then the trailer for The Conjuring 3 dropped and I was like we have to do one of the conjuring movies. Yeah, there was there there was no taking us away from from this uh this cinematic universe once the conjuring 3 trailer dropped and I was on my off period uh at my job I'm student teaching right now and I was like, you know, cuz there are like middle schoolers in my general vicinity so I'm trying to like watch it like in a way where no one can see what I'm watching. I'm glad we had a similar experience cuz I was also at work and I was like trying to watch it because I've gotten, like, talked to before about watching things on my phone. So I was trying to, like, quickly watch it when my, like, supervisor wasn't around. Because, like, she isn't around a lot of the time. But, like, at this point, she just kept coming over to bring me things. I was like, please, go away so I can watch this. I want to see my parents. <laughs> we are um, afraid for what will happen in The Conjuring 3, but we are cautiously optimistic about the conjuring three and with that in mind we are very excited to you know bring bring it back to the movie that started it all so get hype for that ladies and gentlemen get hype you you know what get hype for the hats that's a subtitle for your entire life i think yeah it's true that's a that's that's a new fucking discord um status all right in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at fgfpod uh, and give us the one of the if you're listening on Apple iPods, give us a five star rating. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. Do whatever it is you need to do to get the word out there. We're still a very small podcast, and we would appreciate as much as many eyeballs, as many ears uh, present for our podcast as as humanly possible. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who's already followed us there. Uh, you guys are awesome. Keep following us because, like we said last time, when we get to 420 followers, we will be watching Evil Bong. So, <laughs> yes. God, I fucking forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, this is want- a promise that we made on record, and it's never going away. If you want to have me and Taylor review Evil Bong, get the word out there. Get us to 420 followers. We will do it. <laughs> this is our goal. <laughs> uh, until then. We'll see you next time. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.